If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. along with my partner in crime, Brian Scott Siegler. What's up? Curtis Wilson. Brian, how are you today, big guy? I am good, buddy. I am good. It is a uh, nice Thursday night here. We're recording. Got a brew in hand. Got a little bit of water rolling, too. Been a long day. Been working on uh, schoolwork and work, work, and everything else in between. But it's, uh, it's coming to an end. So how about you, buddy? Uh, enjoying a nice little gin and tonic here tonight. Uh, it's been a very long day, Brian, um, because I took PTO today. Oh. And, you know, as you get older, PTO becomes less and less fun. I even get asked by somebody when I t- ask them to back me up at work, hey, I'm going to be out Thursday. Are you doing something fun? Like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> I am power washing and sealing my deck. Not Man. fun. <laughs> Man. So, yeah, <laughs> all day today. Between me and the wife, we were taking stuff off, power washing the deck. Oh, man, I'm tired. I got to seal it. So I got to go to Home Depot in the morning and get that stuff. Hope to goodness it uh, dried out, especially after the rainstorms tonight. Um, but We lost power for a little bit. So, yeah, they were, they were pretty heavy coming through tonight, buddy. Oh, yeah. It was. It was you must have got the one a little later. We got the one mid-afternoon, but I had to stop right in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's summer, though. This is what we like. Nice summer. Yeah. Summer, we got we got both of them. We got the we got the like the three o'clocker and then like right after five the big one came through. Ooh, buddy. Well, glad you got power back now. I'm assuming since we're recording. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was only out for about thirty minutes. Okay, that's not bad at all. Not bad at all. So yeah, so folks, we're we're just doing dad life stuff, working, dealing with power outages, putting kids to bed, all sorts of fun stuff here. Uh, but today. What we're going to be taking a look at is we are going behind enemy lines. What does that mean? We're taking a look at the four ACC opponents that we are playing on the road this year. Road matchups in the conference, fellas. Oh, buddy. And let me tell you, it's some uh, some very interesting and intriguing matchups. Probably many of you know who we're playing, but we're going to get into some details and some things we're seeing and uh, how we feel about them. But before we get into all that, we do have – Quite a list of some few things to hit. And Brian, I'm gonna throw the first big one at you, man. Six foot four, two twenty-five out of St. Peter's Prep in Jersey City, New Jersey. Quarterback Taj Bullock commits. How you feeling about it? That definitely takes a big sting out of the DD decommitment. I like this kid. I watched his film. He's got kind of similar to Hendon Hooker's style. Um, especially both size and what he is able to do as a prospect coming out of, uh, of high school. So especially through his junior year, at least at this point, but he's got a you know pretty live arm. He can, he's, he's athletic. He can run around. He's good at making throws on the run needs to clean up his mechanics a little bit. And uh, I think that's going to be the big thing, but you know, look at our quarterback room. He's got some time to do that. So I, there's nothing really negative about this pickup. No, not at all. And, and to your point, like you, you even you hit me up and you talked about all the stuff you like, but you mentioned the mechanics. Then, I mean, you kind of had this conversation. Well, you got Hendon this year, and next year, you still got Quincy, 
Um, he'd still have some eligibility left. So really, I mean, 2023 is the earliest the guy could be on the field. So he's got potentially multiple years in Blacksburg to clean those mechanics up. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the size because, you know, you, you can talk about mechanics and some of the stuff he does good. But, dude, to be a high school junior and you're six foot four and you're 225, they don't make many of those. They, you, you know, you can look at Demetrius Davis and he is an unbelievable talent. Demetrius is 5'11", about 195 pounds. He's what you're typically seeing in any high school level. Yeah. Um, but this kid is kind of like, whoa, he could walk in through a, a, a group of grown men and you'd be like, was he like 30? Oh my gosh. Um, the other thing, uh, one the that I cannot think of the league, it's been mentioned, one of the big boys up in New Jersey as a junior led that team to the state title. Yeah, that's a big thing because everyone was talking about, you know, Demetrius Davis having that winning pedigree. So it's yep. nice kind of if we're going to have to fill in that uh, that void that was created by him decommitting, it's nice to have another guy that has that proven level of playing not only big time high school football, but being able to win a state championship doing it. Absolutely, man. And uh, I, I really like to pick up, too. It, it's it, it, it helps, you know, helps kind of. Quarterback now is set. We've got it locked in. We can go put the resources elsewhere. And we did put the resources elsewhere. Brian, VA to VT, Kalai Lawson, out of the Valley, Stephen City, the six foot four, 205 athlete. Tell me what you saw on him. I know some of his tape's a little old because he was injured last year, but what do you see from this? Again, six foot four, 205 pounds, and he's a junior. Yeah, let, so let, let's read it out here. We're talking about. From a just a raw perspective, he's he's got the similar type of traits and build that uh, Tremaine Edmonds had. Oh, don't don't say that. Man. <laughs> we're we're talking about. I'm not saying that we're going to get to that level, but in in terms of build and in terms of athletic traits, he could get there. And I mean, right now his his ranking um, on two four seven and in general is is lowered as you stated because of that. Uh, those injuries that they've been dealing with, this guy's probably going to see his uh, his stock climb a lot this year, especially if he puts out a really productive year. So look look for that to, to work in our favor, because right now some of these rankings are pulling our, particularly uh, Lawson's and uh, uh, Melitic, the, uh, the kid from Germany, th those two rankings are pulling down our class average a little bit, but I think his is going to go up a good amount. I don't think we're going to see any change much in the uh, – on the German kids um, ranking, yeah. but look for him to climb a little bit and that's going to help our overall ranking. So th this kid's got really good measurables and just watching him play. He's an athlete to be as big as he is. I I'll say this man, and, and I'm glad you mentioned it because a lot of people have mentioned him on edge and mentioned him on edge because of that six, four, because of that frame. But I'm with you. I see a kid, he played, I think he played the three in basketball. He done some track and field, like the long jump, I believe. Like this, this guy, and you talk about looking at Tremaine, I think Tremaine was six foot four, I think 220 coming out. So slightly bigger, already had the pounds on him, but you know the frames there and you see some of his workouts. I'm, I'm with you. I think me and you're on the same page. Don't put him on the edge. Let him play linebacker because that's where you're going to get your most bang for your buck. You've already got some guys at defensive end coming in, some young guys. Make this the next Tremaine. Make this your next first-round talent at linebacker. Um, so, yeah. So, Brian, so we, 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 we've got one from the RVA, right? Yes. And we've got, we got one from over in the valley, down in the mountains, over in Stephen City, right? There we go. We got one way up in northern Virginia, right? In, uh, That's Mr. Right. In, in so we take a drive down 95 from uh, Mr. Stroman's house, and we pull up into North Stafford, football power there. And we get another one, cornerback, Sean Asbury II out of North Stafford. Uh, hey, kind of similar to Lawson, got injured last year during the season, and that ranking, it's kind of hurting us. But you look at some of this tape, I know you did, Brian, he ain't an 84. Now, nah, this guy's going to be someone that I think can come in. and He's going to kind of be the natural successor, I think, maybe to, to Jamari Connor. Um, he's going to be that whip nickel um, type player. But he, in a pinch, he can play outside. So I think that's the 
that's the big thing to look with, with this guy. And again, we're talking about trends. We're talking about these versatile players. You know, you look at Lawson. That's a guy that I think is going to project as, as a uh, as a backer, but could put his hand in the dirt. Asbury, a guy that can play um, the nickel, but also probably in a pinch slip outside. So when you're looking at the depth that we're trying to build here, we're looking at those versatile players. So I really like what we're doing here. And, uh, and Asbury, I think, as, as we've said, is, is going to be a guy that's going to see his rankings go up um, as he gets a productive senior year in there, hopefully. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I know you're, you mentioned nickel. I know I think he's played safety, kind of letting his athleticism and letting his ball hawking nature take advantage of in the high school level, which is awesome to see. But I'm really hoping they move him outside because I, right now we don't have one of those guys. Um, sort of the depth's a little, a little, a uh, little bit shaky there. Um, the the DJ Johnson debacle didn't help that. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> We're not even going to mention that just because <laughs> there would be even more cursing than normal on this program. Um, geez, uh, Hold on, Brian. I'm taking a sip because that angered me so much. But <laughs> I, I'd like to see I'd like to see Asbury be worked on the outside, and then you hear some of the the stuff about Ham really grilling him and him knocking the video breaks down out of the ballpark, and I love it. But but Brian, um, as our buddy Jason Long song says, I almost gave up drinking. Three commits in like ten days. It's like we're on fire. <laughs> And lo and behold, Wednesday happened, uh, and um, he is not our two four seven highest rated guy, but our composite highest rated guy, a guy me and you both kind of in love with six foot three, three fifteen, Tyus at Arkansas decommits. Um, you know, you told me Brian tried to soften the blow. <laughs> Brian, you said it even even after DDD committed. He's like, I don't I don't like Tyus Martin. He's like, I feel like he he sort of got his hand on the door. You you told me that. Yeah. So so it, when when DDD committed, I was like, I think we're looking at Neville probably having one foot out the door, and Tyus Martin probably has his hand on the doorknob. Um, if we're gonna use some metaphors here, so that was that was kind of what I saw. Um, ultimately, both of them left. I was hoping that the combination of TNT, um, you know, would be enough to keep keep Barden in the boat. Whereas, um, you know, Neville didn't have, um, I think that, that similar type of relationship um, with the staff that Martin may had. Even though, um, you know, both of those guys haven't had any sort of official visit at Virginia Tech yet. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it took a turn, and you know, it's disappointing because we're looking at situations where. You know, the writing is on the wall, but at the same time, these guys got in for a reason. We need to be better about keeping them committed, despite some of the things that are going on outside that, that we can't control. Yeah. It, it's 100% true, man. I think the staff, now that this happened multiple times, again, if you're recruiting for one guy, he's going to be your, your linchpin. You, you can't recruit like that. I think hopefully what happens is we see some self-reflection um, on this. Now, don't hype this, up hashtags. There you go. Don't hype up hashtags. Figure out what the kid really wants to commit to. You know, or, or sometimes the hype gets going. They're 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids. The hype can happen. They can commit. And then two, three months later, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Brian, this isn't on our rundown, but I'm sure you saw it. Although Tyus decommitted, Tyleek Williams in his top six. I like the way we look on that because – that's another big guy with some uh, real good skill. And, again, like Tyus, Talik would probably come in day one and start playing. So It's uh, true. We just, got a, we just got a crystal ball thrown in there um, on, on Tyleek. Uh, so that's trending in our direction. Uh, obviously, sometimes crystal balls, you can take them for what they're worth if it's not close to a kid um, you know, committing. So it's definitely taken with a grain of salt, but it wasn't someone that is the Hokie insider. So that definitely, you know, gives a little, I think a little more credence than, uh, than what a typical um, crystal ball ranking would, would, would give there. So we, we shall see, but I feel like we're at least in good, in good position. A lot of it's going to depend on um, how serious some of the, uh, the, the bigger dogs in this race that are in that top six are about, uh, you know, getting him 
uh, to take. And obviously the relationship that he has with the coaching staff overall and um, Tap and Tierlink in particular. 100%, man. 100% on that. All right. Hey, Brian, sports are finally coming back, brother. NASCAR has been going. We've got some good golf tournaments. Baseball's finally agreed. Let's not. Baseball figured something out. I, I swear, man. Oh, and that was such a frustrating thing to watch and follow, man. Oh, it, it, it's it's so much was. It was such a pain in the ass because you know it's nothing. It's posturing, and you know whose side do you want to fall on? Um, uh, let's just not get into that. But it's coming back, and about the time it comes back in about a month from now, the NBA will start starting up. The NHL will be starting back up. Oh, buddy. Um, go ahead. It'll be a and, week or two into camp. Week or two into camp, college football camps will be getting kicked off the two-week uh, pre-camp. So here's what I'm going to say, Brian. All you guys who are married have girlfriends that listen to us. Honey-do lists, anything, get them done in the next four weeks because when this thing starts up, it's going to be a rocket ship, and it's going to be insane. So honey-do lists, get your deck finished. All these things that your wife wants you to do, do them now. Or you're going to be the guy when it's like NBA playoff. Ooh, Saturday, NBA playoff at 3.30. Some awesome golf tournament with Tiger and Phil on. Holy crap, wait a second. The NHL playoffs are on. Oh, my God, and my favorite baseball team is playing. What am I supposed to do? You're going to be stuck in the yard if you don't get that stuff done now. Yep. You know, a lot of this stuff is coming through. You need to get it done by the end of July. Um yeah. My, my anniversary is July 24th, so get it done by my anniversary. <laughs> Brian's going to sacrifice <laughs> on the sword for them of those first opening days. My anniversary is not far behind yours in, in early part of August. And the weekend of our anniversary, we actually have a wedding to go to um, for my niece. So uh, it, it kind of all will work out. But if you don't have stuff like that on the horizon, get your stuff done now. All right, Brian. Let's 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 put on some uh, camo, get on some black face paint, Uh-oh. mark it up like we're getting into the uh, woods here because we are going behind enemy lines today, and uh, getting dropped off into the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, my friend. But we're ready to go. And uh, Brian, let's me and you get in the car. Let's get down ninety five. Let's drive about two and a half hours. Let's get on forty. Kick a little bit east as we get to Durham. And let's start in Chapel Hill with the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. And, Brian, I take a look. They're returning some folks, man. 17 total starters returning, 10 on offense, 7 on defense. And they didn't lose that much, but I know there's a couple guys you saw that you kind of want to hit on about who they lost. Yeah, so the big one on offense, I mean, you mentioned the 10 returning starters. The one that's not is a big one, and that's Charlie Heck. Um, offensive tackle got drafted by Houston. Um, you know, he's going to be the one to watch because he's he's the guy that was, you know, the primary protector for Sam Howell on those passing downs. And with this type of offense, it slings the ball around a lot. That's going to be something to watch and see if they're able to do something, you know, to plug in that spot for uh, for 2020. So that's going to be the big one on offense. We've got a couple on defense I want to highlight. Um, <clears throat> Jason Strubridge, uh, the uh, defensive tackle, was drafted by the Dolphins. Um, he was third-team All-ACC in 2019. Going to be hard to replace that production. He had 45 tackles and four sacks. And then we also had uh, Miles Dorn in sa- at safety, uh, the All-ACC honorable mention, and he had 83 tackles in 2019, which was third on the team. So those are the big three key departures that we're going to that, th- that UNC is going to need to replace um, the biggest one being Charlie Heck um, being the only departing guy on offense but yeah. at a very key position yeah that, that's big because you're talking about protecting how blind side I mean that was his first year and I tell you you have somebody out there that's getting NFL looks and gets drafted in the NFL as a quarterback you don't think about getting smashed from the blind side. But here's the piece I say, Brian, that defense wasn't that good. And from what you're giving us here is they're kind of losing two leaders. And you can say all you want, yeah, but, you know, talent. Leadership's still very important on the defensive side of the ball. They weren't that good last year. 
losing two guys, one gets drafted, one an honorable mention ACC. I'm very interested to see if they will rebound. But, Brian, I'll say this, man. Um, they've got some talent. Uh, we take a look at the 247 recruiting class rankings. 2017, they were 29th. 2018, they were 20th. 2019, they were 30th. So there is some talent still there. Um, you know, still on the on the roster. And uh, who who's your key? Who's your key guys? I know one's going to be the obvious. Couple's going to be obvious. But who's kind of some guys that you feel if North Carolina's going to stem from? They were seven and six. They weren't eight, nine, ten win team. They were a seven and six team, and literally every game came down to the razor thin margin. Yeah, and 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 that's what we're looking at. And I think it's going to start with, you know, can they carry that offensive momentum that they had in 2019 over into 2020? And that's going to start with Sam Howell. Yeah. Um, you know, freshman All American quarterback, ACC Rookie of the Year, third team All ACC. Um, Stats out the roof for a freshman, uh, 3,641 yards and 38 touchdowns. Um, can he take the next step, whatever that looks like, you know, compared to those numbers, um, and be more consistent? So I think the consistency is going to be the thing because I, he had a couple games where in crunch time, he wasn't always the same player that he was, you know, throughout the game. So I think, uh, you know, we saw that, uh, you know, in, even in our game, um, once uh, Hooker went down and QP was in there, you know, that was a game that probably could have went the other way very easily, and, and, and we were able to fight that one off and win it. Um, uh, it, sh- it should have went the other way because not only did <sighs> HH go down, Willis made the huge screw up, and Farley was down in the second half of that game. So they couldn't beat us without starting quarterback and potentially – Actually, not potentially. One of the highest graded corners in the country. Very interesting on that. But, Brian, I'm going to go with something you said here. I mean, it's almost like a fantasy football. I'm looking at his stats here. Regression has to happen to say, I mean, if he goes above 38 touchdowns, 3,600 yards this year, he's not playing for them after next season. He will be in the NFL. There won't even be a question. But, uh, He's definitely got some uh, good targets. So. Yeah, he's got he got some good targets. So the, I mean, the big one obviously is going to be Deami Brown. Um, he was third team All ACC. He had, he led the team in touchdowns uh, at the wide receiver position with twelve, and he was over a thousand yards receiving. Um, so that's the big one. The other one that we know um, a, a lot more about, unfortunately, is uh, Daz Newsom. Um, uh. Seven five seven product, heavily recruited by the Hokies, but you know he's down there in uh, in Chapel Hill. Uh, he was second team All ACC, um, a little bit lower on the touchdown and yards ranking than uh, than Brown. He had thousand eighteen and ten touchdowns, but that kid's a playmaker. He, he makes plays all over the field, and th- that's a dynamic one two punch um, as you're going to see in the ACC. Uh, um, absolutely, and we know the Daz Newsom thing. Seven five seven dad went to Tech. Uh, I can't remember if Dion's brother or cousin. The, the lineage was there. It was, this is our guy. We miss on him. Tommy Brown, same way, out of Charlotte. Um, you know, he was a four-star coming out. And literally, when it came down to decision time, it was between us and Carolina. And he went to Carolina. So, um, you know, you look at Brown, you talk about those 12 touchdowns. The guy's a 6'2 guy. He's a big-body guy, so makes a lot of sense. Um, what about on the other side of the ball, Brian? So the big one on the other side of the ball we're going to talk about is Chad Surratt, linebacker. Um, last season he was first team All ACC and runner up ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, before spring of last year he was a quarterback. Yes, he was. <laughs> so um, talk about going from being a quarterback on on the depth chart to being ACC runner-up for, for Defensive Player of the Year in less than a, a calendar year is a, a pretty impressive feat there. True. Um, he was second in the ACC in tackles with 115. Um, so, I mean, this guy can make plays all over the field. He's dynamic. Um, probably other than Rook is the only other linebacker that I would say you know is going to give him a run in terms of total tackles this year. So, um, you know, look for him to – to make some noise on that defense um, and be that leader that's going to step up with some of the 
you know, departing leaders that are, uh, that are now either, either in the NFL or lost to uh, graduation. Yeah. You, you give that kid all the credit in the world um, was actually a pretty good rated quarterback coming out and he makes that switch and, and he essentially steps, you know, not only in, into a solid role, but excels at it shows you he's a football player, not just a specific quarterback, wide receiver, whatever you want to say. Um, and I, I Again, he, he's ACC co-defensive player of the year last year, defensive player of the year, and they still were terrible on defense. Yeah. And, and uh, again, he's a linebacker. All right. You mentioned the guy that's getting drafted just before. Is he going to be able to excel without somebody up front making that kind of havoc um, like Strobridge did? <laughs> I'm very – a lot of people are very bullish on North Carolina right now, Brian. I'm not. I'm bearish because they had all the elements last year because they – it was similar to Louisville, who we'll discuss later. They were a bad team. They quit on their coach. It doesn't take much if a guy can come in and motivate good players to have a turnaround. It really doesn't. But um, how about this, Brian? I'm talking bearish. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Who's some guys that uh, maybe have been behind the curtain um, that have to emerge if they're going to improve upon their seven and six record? So if we're talking about some of the reason why people are uh, jumping on this UNC bandwagon, part of it's got to do with their 20 class and what they've already done so far in the 21 class. But with the 20 class, we're talking about the number one ranked defensive player, um, Desmond Evans, um, North Carolina product. They're, they're looking for him to have an instant impact year one. Um, he's going to be a guy that can that that's up front that's going to be able to you know make some plays for them. Um, so that that's going to be step one for them. If he can come in and be an instant impact player, that's going to shore up some of the problems they have um, on the long their 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 defensive front. Um, talking about some other guys, let's look at uh, Cameron Kelly, who we also know a little bit about. <laughs> oh, yes, Cameron Kelly. Uh, let's see, committed to Tech, decommitted, recommits to Auburn, leaves Auburn after the spring to recommit to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a fun time, huh? Um, but he did play in five games last year and gotten to the point where he was in the starting role before he went down with an injury. So he's going to look to, to step into a key role at safety um, for them in 2020. Uh, and then we've got uh, good old Storm Dutch is either the best or the worst cornerback name in history. Um, <laughs> he came on late in the season. He posted nine starts last year at cornerback. Um, started a couple games at safety, I think, but finished off at cornerback. Um, he's looking a lot beyond that position this year. That's going to be important for them to to stop the passing game. Like I said, I think they're set in the linebacker position, but they've got some question marks in the in the secondary, and, and they got some question marks up front whether they can, you know, replace Strobridge's uh, production at defensive tackle, and whether Desmond Evans can come in and be an instant impact player. Yeah, uh, Storm Duck's going to, to me, be a real key. And not only because he's a cornerback, um, but more or less it's can Dre Bly teach corners how to play the game of football? You can give him his first year and say, hey, you know, we're, 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 we're going to give him a pass because for the simple fact um, this was his first year ever coaching, um, we, we get it. That that that's not too crazy. Um, the other kid, yep, he, you're going from high school to uh, college first year. He's got a good build, six six two forty five. Um, I've, I've been trying to research it here. I'm not sure what Lee County is as far as um, play goes. I was this like a two A or a one A school where he was the biggest kid out there and he's going to look dominant because he should. Um, that's something very interesting I'd like to know. We should probably dial in Robbie Compton right now. He'd probably be able to tell us in three seconds um, <laughs> what Lee County is. It is, is it essentially in one of those higher, higher leagues where it's like, oh, you're playing studs there. Nah, like do a, if he ain't dominating at that level, then there's a lot of problems. So there we go. 
All right, Brian, do you want to get back in the car? Let's get back in the car, man. Where are we heading? Uh, let's get on 40. Let's head at eight miles up the road. Let's head down to Duke. The Blue Devils. Let's man, that was South a tough Patterson. game to watch last year. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't even. Uh, gosh, hold on. Wait a second. You got to take another sip. Yeah, I did. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, with Duke also returning 17 starters, um, eight on offense, um, nine on defense. So, with some experience coming back, uh, as much as I hate he put it on us last year, love cut, cut knows how to coach. Um, but, uh, Brian, they obviously, they've lost a few starters. Where's their, uh, who's some of the key guys they lost that, uh, that might uh, might uh, slow them down from getting back into a bowl this year. So, I mean, if, if you watch Duke ever, you know that, you know, they're sound all around, but they generally have a pretty good front seven on defense, and that's what they're losing a couple key components of here. Um, defensive tackle Edgar Serenord, um, he was probably their best interior player uh, last year. They've lost him. Um, also, Trey Hornbuckle, defensive end, had 34 tackles and four sacks last year. They rotate a lot of guys, so a lot of guys get some time on that defensive line, but he was kind of the, the big playmaker in terms of getting a lot of snaps but also making some plays. And uh, Kobe Kwanza, uh, who was the linebacker, he was the emotional leader on the field for them. Um, that That's definitely a big presence that's going to be missed for them. He was all-ACC third team. 105 tackles, including 13 against us in that god-awful game we played against them. Yeah. Uh, and he was also fourth in the ACC for tackles per game. So he, he's a playmaker. He's a guy that can get out there and get it done. And they're going to definitely miss him this year. Yeah, and, and Duke's defense was pretty good last year, especially up on that front seven, as you mentioned. It's something they're always good at. Again, David Cutcliffe, man, what can, what can you say about the guy? Um, but – it's it's Duke. The expectations are low. They kind of can sneak up on you. Um, and Brian, they're recruiting. It's it's never been out of this world. I mean, the 2017 class was 47, 2018, 63, 2019, 49. Um, but cut try. He tries to find football players. He tries to find fits. Um, but who's coming back? Who could make the? I think they're four and seven or four and eight. No, four and seven. Who can put them to six, seven wins um, and get them back into a bowl? Who are you feeling is some of their key returning starters? So returning guys, I mean, they don't really have a whole lot of what you would call big name guys, but the guys I want to focus on, we've got in particular Chris Rump II, um, junior defensive end. He's getting a lot of pro football focused buzz. Um, based on how he graded out across the board last year. Um, he had six and a half sacks, even though he wasn't what you would call a starting defensive end for the Blue Devils. Um, but he was a guy that was very much a specialist when it came to pass rushing. Um, but he was all well enough all around where um, when he graded out, he graded out very high. Um, only started one game. So we'll see if he can be the guy that can impact every down and not just you know, those specialty type situations that he played a lot last year. Um, other guy I want to look at is Noah Gray. Um, so he's been, he's a tight end. He was a team leader, both on and off the field for them last year, caught 51 balls, had three touchdowns. I'm going to say it again. Two of them were against Virginia tech. So uh, it seemed like all, all the key players on the Duke squad had their best game against us last year. So, <laughs> Um, you know, it is what it is at this point, but <clears throat> so Noah Gray is another guy to look at to maybe take another step forward, um, come into a key role in that offense as they look to replace some key components, um, despite returning a decent amount of, uh, on, on that side of the ball. And then we're also looking at Deion Jackson. Um, he's a, he's running back. He's going to be the key, key running back to watch for them this year. Um, he had 641 yards and six touchdowns in 2019, so he's going to look to improve upon that and become more of a um, consistent playmaker for them. But they probably will employ some level of platoon system at running back like most teams are doing now. But he's going to be the uh, the RB1A at least. I got you. You know, offensively, uh, you never really 
you kind of don't worry about Cutcliffe because Cutcliffe will find a wrinkles every year, little different things to do. I can remember watching the Alabama game last year with um with Quentin Harris, and that first quarter he comes out looking like Georgia Tech, and for a quarter and a half he had Alabama completely befuddled. Now eventually Talon wins. Um, but I talked about it a few minutes ago. Cut, they're never going to have the highest rankings. Chris Rump is one of those guys, man. I mean, he was a three-star, an 82-grade coming out of uh, Florida, and now he's probably on the verge of getting drafted next year. And it's just one of those things. It's like, how does this happen? It's like David Cutcliffe knows football. Now, Brian, you mentioned Noah Gray. You mentioned Deion Jackson. Um, One of the big stories this year for Duke that kind of made it didn't make it to a national level, but for college football fans like ourselves, definitely made it. Uh, Cut went down to uh, Clemson, and uh, he found him some. Yeah, so, you know, other some of those other key departures we talked about earlier, the big one is obviously Quentin Harris um, starting quarterback last year. So they said, we need to find something here. So what they do? They got Chase Bryce. So... He was backing up uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, looks like a guy that's definitely capable of stepping in and being a uh, the day one starter for them. Obviously, he's yes. going to have some competition from from the other guys on the depth chart there, but looks to step in and uh, and, and make his name known right away. Um, not a whole lot of stats on him other than garbage time, but uh, the one key game he did play in was he led a comeback uh, against Syracuse in 2018. When, uh, when Lawrence went down with the wrist injury, and that was right yep. after um, Brian had put his name out there to transfer. So it was a you know, pretty big uh, situation there that uh, you know, this guy, pretty relative unknown, stepped in and uh, got them a win in conference play there. So Absolutely. definitely able to get the job done. And, and this is something just kind of a little off topic, Brian, but you know, when Chase Bryce came out, he was essentially – he was like an 80 – an 88-89 type rated guy. So right on the verge of being that four-star, a top 20 quarterback. And he commits to Clemson, who had already had, at that point in time, the number two rated quarterback. So it's one of those things, people, we talk about recruiting sometimes. It's like, dude, why are you going there? And then the next year, they get Trevor, and the guy spends time on a bench. Thankfully for him, there's transfer portals and there's ways to get out where you can show your talent. So I'm very interested to see Chase Bryce. Um, but Brian, uh, Duke wasn't great offensively last year. They, they they put it on us, but they weren't the typical Cutcliffe thing. But uh, they might have some other guys helping out. Who do you see helping potentially out on that offense? So the big one's going to be uh, Jalon Calhoun. Um, he had a good true freshman campaign at wide receiver um, in 2019. Um, was kind of a, a guy that started to come on late um, as as the season went on, despite them having you know problems with uh, with being competitive in the ACC play, other than when they played us. Uh, but he's going to be looked on um, as as the key wide receiver for them in 2020 um, to step up, especially with breaking in a new starting quarterback. And, you know, in that same vein, um, we're looking at a guy like Jacob Monk, who's going to be the, the, the key on that offensive line for them. He's going to be the linchpin um, to kind of hold everything together and is going to have to be counted on big time this season. Again, we're breaking a new starting quarterback. Got to protect the, uh, the franchise, as it were. So he's going to be leaned on heavily. Nice. All right. Um Duke did have some coaching changes in the offseason. Um, the offensive line coach, Jim Bridge, he resigned his position, and uh, it's taken over by Greg Fry. Uh, Fry's actually coming up from Florida, where he was an offensive analyst in 2019. Um, his last coaching role was in 2018 at FSU as the O-line coach, run game coordinator. Um, we've, we've discussed it before. FSU's had some offensive line struggles. But you go back to 2017, he was at Michigan where he was their tackle and tight end coach, um, also their run game coordinator. Um, now, one of the key losses, and it's very interesting when you see a guy get this sort of promotion, Derek Jones was the defensive back coach for, um, for Duke last year. He went to Texas Tech. He's now a co-defensive coordinator. 
Um, he's been replaced by Chris Hampton, who comes from Tulane. This is his first Power 5 coaching gig. Um, Hampton did play collegiately at South Carolina. And, Brian, I'm going to round back up because we missed UNC. Let's get back to go back to Chapel Hill for just a second. Their biggest, they only made one big change. Um, Scott Boone was let go as a special teams coordinator. Um, and Javon DeWitt replaced him. DeWitt comes over from Nebraska. He's also going to be the outside linebackers coach. Um, he also was with Frost during the undefeated season at UCF. Pretty good special teams coach coming over. So a good pickup by Mac Brown and them. Um, so, yeah. So both teams making coaching changes. What do you feel about the coaching changes down in, uh, down on Tobacco Road? So I think the, the special teams is going to be key because I think if, if UNC can shore up some of the things they do on special teams to go with their offensive improvement and, and what they, I'm sure they hope is going to be at least a step up on defensive production, you know, that, that could be scary. I'm not, I'm not quite as bearish as you are, but I'm not in the, uh, the full on Tar Heel hype train that the majority of the college football writers are at right now. So I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, cl classic me right there in the middle. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be a good team, but I, I think we're right there. And I think, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a team like Pitt's going to be right there who we're going to talk about here in a second. In terms of Duke, I don't, I'm not sure what type of impact that's going to be. Obviously having a, uh, Guy stepping into a Power Five gig for the for a first time is going to be something that could could be something to keep an eye on. So, I, th I think that's definitely going to potentially be a step down at that position. But we'll, we'll keep our eyes open and see what that looks like. Yeah, th that that's a big key, the first Power Five. But I always find it interesting though when you lose a guy and the next thing you know he is titled as a co something, whether co offense or defense, because it says okay. If, if this guy did well enough to get in that type of position, what was he doing schematically or game plan wise with the old defensive coordinator? Because when you see a guy do that, that hasn't been a coordinator before, it usually says they put some responsibilities on him with his old team where he was well enough and first enough to walk into another power five program and now get a title, which obviously is going to bring more responsibility, more money. All right, Brian. Let's get back in the car, man. Let's uh, let's head up uh, 95. Let's get up to DC. Let's hang a left on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and head to Pitt. So the wonderful Pitt Panthers returning 17 starters, nine on offense, eight on defense. Couple guys, man, kind of didn't go the way of the NFL draft as people thought. So some very luck there, but they did lose a few guys yeah so there's two there's two big ones that i want to point out um the big one the biggest one being dane jackson um their cornerback that was drafted in the seventh round by the bills um he was all acc second team last year so that's going to be a big uh, blow for them in the secondary and then on the other side of the ball um their key uh wide receiver uh, maurice french uh, 850 yards and four touchdowns in 2019 uh despite missing uh two games games uh one of them against uh virginia tech um <clears throat> he ended up getting picked up as an undrafted free agent by the chiefs so those are two big big time contributors uh one on each side of the ball that they're going to be missing out on next year yeah anytime you anytime you lose a corner who gets drafted you know that there was some potential chance chances are during weeks where it was like we don't have to worry about that size of side of the field so that's definitely a big loss, but they bring a lot back on defense. Um, they also, again, it's Pitt. They're, they're not the biggest. They're, they're not getting top 15, top 20 classes, but, again, it's Narduzzi, much like Cutcliffe. He finds fits. He makes it happen. Um, 2017, 37th ranked class. 2018, 48th ranked class. The 2019, the 59th ranked class. So it has been going down, but, Brian, they return some talent, man. Yeah, big-time talent, especially a couple guys here. I'll start with uh, the big one, which is uh, Jalen Twyman. Um, what can you really say about this guy? 41 tackles and 10.5 sacks as an interior defensive lineman in uh, 2019. 
second team All American and first team All ACC. You know, complete stud um, in that interior defensive line, and you know, looking to make an additional jump on those numbers uh, coming into 2020. So that's going to be the big one. And right next to him there is going to be Patrick Jones the second with 43 tackles and eight and eight and a half sacks last year um, at the defensive end spot. <clears throat> he was all uh, second team All ACC. Um, making plays all over the field, good off the edge. So those are the big two in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, and that was really their hallmark, their calling card last year was getting at the quarterback. Um, and that they were helped out a little bit by uh, by safety Paris Ford, who's coming back as well. First team all ACC and looking to improve on that impressive 2019 campaign as well. So those are the big three on defense to keep your eye out for in 2020. Absolutely. Uh, you look at Twyman and Paris Ford, I think Narduzzi's very lucky that those guys came back. Um, Twyman's ready to play at an NFL level. Watching him, he was one of those guys, man, you kind of watched that pit game. You kind of saw him, and you just kind of said, man, that guy's a beast. And Paris Ford has been the truth since he was recruited. Four-star, one of the best players in his recruiting class back in 2017. Um you know, Paris Ford, believe it or not, Paris Ford was a top 100 player, um, stayed home, uh, and same way. He's a guy that you're very kind of shocked that came back for one additional year. Um, but, Brian, you've mentioned a lot on defense, but, I mean, is it is it any question who if uh, he's the key? I mean, if, if, if Pitt's going to do anything in 2020, it's going to be that Kenny Pickett takes another step forward as a quarterback. Um, they're looking to probably get to the nine-win range if they're trying to uh, win a Coastal Championship and uh, and go play probably Clemson uh, in the ACC Championship. So if, if they're going to make any, any sort of run at that, it's going to be because a guy like Kenny Pickett at quarterback is going to take another step forward and be more consistent um, getting the ball to his playmakers. I mean, we saw in the in the Virginia Tech game, uh, he struggled sometimes getting accurate throws when he had pressure coming at him. And I, I think if he can get some improvement in that area, they might make some noise in the Coastal. And if they don't, there's just going to be a team with a really good defense that can't score points. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the Tech game. Again, me and you got to go to last year. Coming to that game, they were one of the hottest teams in the ACC. They had won six of seven. The only loss was a four-point loss to Miami. And then the last two games, we goose-egg them. And then they lose to BC um, at home by touchdown, which just kind of put a huge damper on them. Because when they walked into that BT game, they were one of those teams that they could beat us. They potentially to make the ACC championship. They didn't. In those last few games, man, you know, Pickett was terrible at Virginia Tech. It was He was awful. He had the, uh, the strip sack fumble very early in the game. Rook, uh, Rook strips him. Big Crawford uh, snatches it up, runs it in. And then, you know, you take a look at the, uh, the Pitt game. I mean, you know, 30 of 40. For 300 yards, one pick, sacked four times. I mean, it, it, the question is, during that six of seven win streak, did Kenny Pickett hit his – did he hit the ceiling? And if he hit a ceiling, is seven or eight their max? And if he has some of those bad games like he did against Tech, could they come back to earth? Um, now, Brian, I have a feeling here when I ask you who's going to emerge – I don't think it's going to be anybody on defense, is it? No, I mean, the, primarily we're looking at guys on offense need to take a step forward. I think defense, the guys they have coming in aren't necessarily better than their their losses, but they're solid, and, you know, they've already got a lot of talent um, returning already. Um, but we're looking at guys that need to step up and take a step forward for them in 2019. That's all on the offensive side of the ball. And it's going to start with uh, Shockey Jacques-Louis, their wide receiver, um, he's going to step into a key role this year after starting six games last year. Uh, had right at 350 yards and two touchdowns in 2019, so he's going to look to need to improve upon those numbers, probably at least get into the 750, 800-yard range 
um, as, as one of their primary targets if they're going to take another step forward. Um, when we talk about some other targets that uh, Kenny Pickett's going to have, we need to look at a guy, Lucas Kroll, uh, a graduate transfer out of Florida, um, who saw some time for the Gators in uh, 18 and 19. So he's going to look to have probably some instant impact that hit offense after uh, their shaky finish to close out the year. Um, but it'll be another target for Kenny Pickett there. And they seen the field some if hit, but uh, have, have seen some uh, power five uh, snaps there. So look for him. And uh, finally, it's going to be Vincent Davis, who was the running back, true freshman last year. Um, showed was very impressive in some spots in 2019. He had 314 yards rushing and five touchdowns, so he was able to find the end zone pretty well. Uh, so they're looking for him to take a step in the offseason and help them out because if if you look at what, what Pitt was doing on offense last year, they just could not run the football. They could not run the football, so he's going to need to be the guy that's going to step up and – make some of those big plays in the running game. So take a little bit of pressure off of Kenny Pickett and what they're trying to do passing the ball. Yeah, you're 100% right about that. But there's one thing I worry about Vincent Davis, man. He's 5'80", he's 175 pounds. Um, and, if, and you saw, you feel like the touchdowns are good. He has some, he has some different parts of the game that can help out. But is he going to be the guy? And at 5'8", 175, can he be the guy? Or is it going to be those rotational things, which, you know, in today's era of college football, it does happen. But if you take one of your best players off the field because you can't give him that pounding, it definitely hurts. Um, you know, Brian, believe it or not, Pitt made no coaching changes. None. Shocking. But our, let me add. Tartuzzi is, uh, is holding what he has, huh? He is. But I'm going to ask you this. He's only had one losing season since he's been at Pitt, but no seasons with more than eight wins. If he has a bad season, could he be on the hot seat? I think so. I think he's definitely going to be put on the hot seat if he doesn't come out and win. I think he almost has to win the Coastal this year to not have some level of of fire under his ass going into the next offseason. But at the same time, if he doesn't get to that – that nine win threshold, whether they go play for the coastal or not, I think it's going to be, um, you know, still something that they're going to look at because I know that Pitt's never been, at least in recent history, um, a team that's going to go out and, and, and shatter the earth. But at some points, you have to get a little tired of, of mediocrity, and I think they're stuck in in mediocrity. Um, I think. We've we've been a little bit above that, just not not the last two seasons necessarily, but yeah. we, we've been a step above that, and I'm hoping that we take another step back into that same direction this year. But Pitt's definitely been in that good but never great category for a long time, and especially under uh, Narduzzi's direction. Yeah, it's absolutely about Virginia Tech. The first two seasons under Justin Fuente, ten and nine wins. We were. Well above. We had the rebuild at six, and then we had the eight last year. But as many of us who have a few cocktails and then start looking, we say we could have won ten games last year. Why did we screw the pooch a few times? So, but let's move on, Brian. Let's go get some <laughs> bourbon. You want to go get some bourbon over in Louisville? Let's do that, man. Let's do it. All right. So Louisville last year, hell of a rebound year by Scott Satterfield in his first season. Um, but he lost some guys. Of all the teams we discussed today, they are returning the least amount of starters. They are returning 15 starters, seven on offense, eight on defense. And, Brian, if me, if I drove to your house over Mechanicsville and we kicked down, heading down to the east end over to Highland Springs, uh, there is a big, big loss. For the yeah, big-time loss. Big-time loss. We got Makai Becton. Um, Highland Springs Springer out of the 804 drafted 11th overall in the first round to the Jets um, that's that's a big time factor for them now it was a it was probably the right decision for him obviously after getting drafted 11th um, yeah but he was a junior so 
that was a potentially unexpected departure for them um, on top of losing their senior uh, tackle, Tyler Haycraft. Um, so they're losing both tackles and one of them being what you would call an all world type tackle. Um, so that's going to be big time blow for them um, on offense. Um, now, when we talk about defense and who they who they lost, the biggest name is going to be uh, Kane Pass. Uh, he was a safety and he had the uh, the second most tackles on the team, uh, second most solo tackles on the team, and third most tackles total. And he got a good look by some NFL scouts as well in terms of the undrafted free agent market. That's a big loss in the secondary. Um, some of the other guys that they lost, some of them were kind of portal guys, and some of them were guys from the old regime um, that, that decided, you know, moving on. But uh, in terms of the key contributors to that uh, 2019 turnaround, those are the big three there, the two tackles and the safety. Yeah, obviously, you, you talk about losing two bookend tackles. One who is obviously, you said it all, world elite. He's an NFL player now, drafted in the first round. Um, the other on the right side, I, I mentioned this the other day, I wish we played them earlier in the season because, as you know from playing offensive line, one of the toughest things to do is get a new line to gel, especially when you're placing bookends. Um, now, Brian, they, they actually had some talent. Macau was part of the 2017 class, which was 34th ranked, 2018, 30th ranked, 2019, they were 69th ranked. But after the freaking dumpster fire, Bobby Petrino set on fire there. It's a miracle Satterfield pulled 69 off um, for that recruiting class. That was impressive. It, it, very impressive. Um, but they clearly have some talent coming back. I'm not, we're, we're not dipping below that five on each side of the ball. So who, who do you feel has got to be some of those guys to potentially, for them, they did win more games than UNC last year to potentially get them a little higher up and maybe give Clemson a fight? So the biggest key returning starters for them are going to be um, their wide receivers, um, particularly uh, Tutu Atwell, who's the big play threat. He's coming off a 1,000-yard season. Um, reminds me a lot of uh, Hollywood Brown when you look at that uh, speed and a playmaking ability. They're getting him back this year. So that's the big play threat that we're looking at. And um, also Des Fitzpatrick is their uh, their other key wide receiver. He's the more of a possession target. He's moving the sticks. Um, didn't have the yard numbers um, that Atwell had, um, but he's the guy that runs good routes and has strong hands. So he's going to be the guy when things break down that you're looking for to just kind of get the ball out and, and, and move the chains and keep the drive going. Look at the other guys coming back. It's going to be Javion Hawkins is the other key guy on offense. Um, running back, he had a great year last year as a redshirt freshman, second team All-ACC honors, rushed for over 1,500 yards. So look for him to potentially um, you know, have a repeat performance or improve upon that in, uh, in 2020. And obviously still on the offensive side of the ball, we're looking at Mikhail Cunningham at quarterback. Um, he showed last year that he's more than just an athlete. Um, had over 2,000 yards throwing, was really efficient with the football when he did throw it. Um, they didn't throw the ball a ton. Obviously, he was running a lot, and they had a good uh, good little run and shoot there with uh, him and, uh, and Hawkins. But when he did throw the ball, he was throwing it down the field and making some plays. So um, those are the big guys on offense. If they look to return, they're going to be solid uh, on that side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, the big one that we want to focus on that was a playmaker last year is going to be C.J. Avery, weak side linebacker for them. Uh, he had 93 tackles, three sacks, and six pass breakups. So he was another guy that we, when we talk about guys all over the field making plays, um, making plays in different ways. He's, he's somebody to keep an eye on uh, for 2020. Gotcha. For Cunningham, uh, the first he's my first thought when you mention these guys and I think about who they lost. Once again, yep, he showed he's more than just a runner. He could throw the ball. But, again, you got Makai Beckton on the left side. Dude, nobody – You, the size of Makai is unbelievable. And, yes, he was not a great polished, you know, pass pro set. But, dude, he got his hands on you. Nobody was going to touch the quarterback. 
I'm more interested to see how those two losses affect Hawkins because, again, your bookends, you think of an all-purpose back like him, smaller, shiftier guy, probably getting around, which essentially means you've got to have some good tackle play so essentially he can get to those edges. I want to see if he can repeat or if he has a regression this year. Um, Now, Brian, clearly Makai Becton's gone. Who has the unbelievable, tough job of filling those giant shoes? So the guy looking to step in to Becton's role is going to be Adonis Boone. And we've actually saw him a little bit last year when uh, when Becton got nicked against NC State. He stepped in, um, played pretty well um, in Becton's absence. I know Becton was, uh, was on the sideline coaching him up there, but uh, – it looks like he stepped in pretty well in that uh, that small sample size. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to do it for a full season, having that uh, that role as a full-time starter and left tackle. All right. Well, who else, Brian? Who else do you feel like for them to potentially take that step, compete with Clemson, who's got to have a good season? Both sides. Both sides. So the big one uh, on defense is going to be uh, Danya Kennard. Um, he's the defensive tackle. Um, he was actually a walk-on. Oh, wow. Walk-on and uh, earned a scholarship in 2019 and had a uh, starting role in a few games last year and was a rotational player um, for the rest of the season. So he's looking to step into a defensive tackle role uh, potentially as a starter this year um, to really elevate them on the defensive side of the ball. And actually – Going on that same vein, we're looking at another guy that might step in and be a big playmaker this year is another guy that was a walk-on that earned a scholarship in 2019, and that's Mashawn Ford, the tight end. Uh, this kid actually led the ACC in touchdowns by a tight end last year. Oh, man. Yeah, so he's looking to potentially improve on that in terms of getting his yardage numbers up, but he was a big-time red zone threat um, in the ACC last year. Very nice. Um, those two guys definitely, you, you love to hear that. You love to hear also that's probably something Scott Satterfield's brought down there to that culture, giving walk-on scholarships and then seeing them perform. Um, but the Boone thing, that's going to be tough, man. Um, because, again, again, you played offensive line, Brian. When you lose somebody like a Makai Becton and you're an offensive line coach, what does it make your hit? First of all, when you have someone like him, is it just one of those like automatic like don't have to worry about that side of the night versus yeah you know, that's that's the thing I think that when we're looking at the problems that it creates losing both bookends it's not like in some situations where you lose your your number one tackle and you just kind of swap over and you do you do a next man up but when you lose your two best tackles that that's a lot to to, to fill in there because you're you're bringing in guys at both positions that haven't seen a ton of snaps and I think that could be problematic for them um you know they are aided by having a quarterback that is athletic so some of that edge pressure may not be as much of a problem but it's still going to be a struggle for them I think uh at least early on like you said uh, I wish we had them maybe in the first you know month of the season instead of a little bit further down the road Absolutely. All right, Brian, this is the question you posed, and it's going to be our fan engagement question uh, this week. Which ACC road opponent makes you the most nervous? Uh, Well, I'm going to go – I'm going Louisville just because of somewhat of the unknown factor. Uh, We don't play them very often. Um, We're still learning what they're doing as an offense. you know, with a new head coach and with some of these new players they have coming in. Um, so it's still going to be a hard, hard thing to scout and a hard thing to prepare for from that angle on top of the fact that they're really talented on offense, um, especially running the football and running with the quarterback, which has kind of been our bugaboo. So they scare me the most. I, I think we can definitely score points against them. That, that doesn't concern me. Um, but in the shootout, it's going to be an interesting um, outcome. So what about you, buddy? All right. 
I'm not going to go Louisville. I almost went that way, but that is on Halloween day. So that's one of those things. The crowd's probably going to be pumped. It's They have a good crowd anyway, so there's going to be energy in the stadium, so it's not going to be hard to get up for. The, the flip side of wishing we got them early because they have to find their offensive line to gel, well, by that time, by Halloween, they're going to have seven to eight games on tape. So we're going to know what they're doing offensively. So easier to prepare for. But I'm going to go flip it six days after that. Pitt on a Friday night. You want to talk about probably a place that will have zero to no energy. It will probably be very mundane. Nardizzi screaming his head off because he didn't get the first call when his team clearly screwed it up. That game scares me because they're not as talented as us. And you, you want to just go up there and squash them. Now, here's my hope. This is my hope for that early November game. You want to hear it? Let's have it. We haven't lost. Everybody's hyped because we just beat Louisville at home on Halloween, and everybody just starts scooping up tickets to Hind, and that becomes Lane Stadium, Pittsburgh style. And uh, it's 40,000 Hokie fans sitting there screaming, and the energy comes, and it hopefully helps the kids out. So, uh, folks, that is going to wrap this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast up. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe for podcasts on your favorite sources, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We always let our friend Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Hokies. Well, I almost gave up drinking. Cut back the three a day I even started exercising As middle age fell the shade And I could smoke in Marlboro